Welcome back to episode 8 of the BMX in Our Blood. I'm here with Matt Dallas. This is special to me because it's the first interview with a BMX racer, a current BMX racer. We've interviewed trail people, public facility operators, freestyle riders, but no racers. So I've been dying to do this because... I'm just as much a race fan as I used to be, and uh, Matt is the perfect guy to talk to. So, thank you, Matt. Uh, Thanks, welcome. Joe. I'm uh, stoked to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I had to catch you before you left for Tulsa. Yep. Flying out. Another day. And uh, you would never say it because you're too modest, but you're sitting three in both classes, right? Yeah. Yes. It's for, in third. And this for National Age Group. For NAG, yeah, they call it now. National Age Group uh, points, so third and 20 and third and cruiser. And the points aren't really that far apart, right? No, no. It always comes down to kind of how well you do with the Grands and, you know, making that main event. And uh, <clears throat> I have a little bit of a Grands curse. I've uh, <laughs> actually never made a main at the Grands. I uh, I seem to stink at indoor tracks and, uh, and, and especially at the Grands where you... Uh, you kind of, it, it's a long day and you end up kind of racing your, those, uh, sitting around and all of a sudden racing your quarter semi qualifier, like at like midnight and, uh, you kind of have to be ready for, for, and, uh, so I'm hoping to, to break that curse this year. I'm sure you will. I think you probably feel you're having a better year than you've ever had, right? It's been nice to stay injury free for <laughs> a year, for a season. It's, uh, that's been, been the best part of it. And I do remember from going two years ago that that is a long day. and It know. is, yeah, yeah. So and I, I went to that first Grands a few years ago because, a big part because of you, you offered to take my bike, and I actually uh, went after Thanksgiving. I missed practice, flew in, got there late Friday, and uh, jumped right into the racing on Saturday and found out that was a mistake. <laughs> Everyone else gets a little warmed up before that because practice is when? It's Thursday. It's Thanksgiving Day is the practice day. And then they race the Rock, uh, the race of champions, on uh, Friday. And so it's uh, if when you miss those two things together, you're really kind of jumping into a pretty, you know, you're jumping into it. So you have to do a lot of track inspection from a distance and try to figure it out without touching it. Yeah, well, I'm not doing that this year. I'm, I'm actually going to practice. So. Right. <laughs> so watch out. So maybe that'll break the curse. So anyway, you're, so you're sitting high up in the rankings, and by the time we post this, we'll kind of be in the middle of it, and uh, I'll be using up all of my data trying to watch this wherever I am. Like I said, I'm still a big race fan and and still follow it. And as you know, I, you know, I still love to go locally, you know, at least once a week and... Oh, we've had a total blast this season at Bethel Supercross, just having fun in practice, you know, yeah. throwing lots of style while Steve takes photos. It's been a good season. Yeah, Steve Klusik is awesome, and you take a ton of pictures and all, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. But um, let's go back to the history of, of you, because you and I started, I'm sure, close to the same time. I, you're a little bit younger than me, but I started in 83. You couldn't have been too far after that. I think that. 83 was my first race at, at Bethel. Uh, when I was a kid, was summer of '83. Oh, okay. So we're in the same ballpark. Yeah. So you stayed local for for how long before you started to dabble in nationals back in the '80s? Well, it was quite a few years. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I don't, I didn't start doing the nationals till the end of the eighties, early nineties. Yeah. It's late eighties, 89, 88, 89, started going to the Christmas classic, that kind of thing. Well, um, yeah. And then when you did, you, you made sure that you, um, you timed it right so that you went to Harrisburg and got on the cover of bicycles today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> me and, uh, who was that? Brett Dowling next Brett to Dowling. me. Yes. Yeah. We made the cover. I think it was my pink forks on my cycle craft and my bright blue baby blue frame that that got me on with my my fluorescent axo uniform so i used to love the the hot pink colors back then oh you're talking to the guy that loved hot pink colors <laughs> i mean i was like black and pink black pink and blue yeah i certainly wasn't lighting up the track back then so i, I i'm gonna have to thank the axo uniform for getting me on the cover <laughs> so anyway so the national the national part of things and racing in general, at that time you were how old when you started hitting the national circuit? 14, 15, you know, that age, you know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, did, I only did nationals for a few years. Uh, I, and, you know, I was never, I wasn't making mains at nationals back then. It was pretty tough to get into a 15, 16-year-old main at the national. I mean, there were... There were probably, you'd show up, there'd be between 60 and 100 kids in it in a 16-year-old expert class, you know. I'd say the, the moto count back then was maybe 200 motos, which is kind of similar to a national today. But but you got to remember, it was all the same ages back then. There were no, you know, there wasn't, it was 18 and over experts. So yeah. all the kids were all bunched up in the same classes. So you didn't have these these, you know. 46 to 50 cruiser back then you just you know so it was it was a lot a lot more kids in the same classes and so um but no I was I was never a factory guy back then I never made the mains I never I think my best national number back in the day was was 17. Wow well hey that's top 20 is still good especially back then that's uh that's impressive I don't think people people realize the what you had to do just to have a score that was good enough to go into the grands and then hang on to it, it just well enough to stay in the top 20. Yeah, I think they gave the numbers out to 40 back then. Yeah. They did. They upped it to 40 at, at one point. Yeah. And then eventually I think they pulled it back once they started to split up the classes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. When you went off to college, is that when you stopped racing? Yeah, exactly. I went to college in New York City to NYU. Uh, I went to film school, and I, uh, I, you couldn't really ride a bike or bring a bike. I had a dorm room that was smaller than my current bathroom. It was tiny, those NYU dorms. And uh, so, you know, not riding the bike and then trying to come home and trying to race, and it, it just, uh, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. Once you're kind of so into a sport that you, you kind of can't, can't really step back and just kind of do it for fun anymore. You're either going to be serious about it at a certain point or you're going to give it up. And, you know, at that point I had other more fetching decisions, uh, you know, girls, beer parties, and, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of homework once in a while, but, uh, it was, uh, no, it was, it was the time, I think it was a time when a lot of guys moved on is when they went off to college and, uh, you know, no one kind of, no one thought about the sport long term. you know, the pro level or anything back then. Right. Some did, but, you know, unless you're really committed to it and, you know, you, true. The you top weren't... echelon of guy. Yeah. You sure. were. Yeah. But you had to focus. I mean, you, Absolutely. Couldn't, you couldn't have a full-time job or full-time school. No. You had to be full-time BMX if you were going to mm -hmm. succeed in it. I wish I had stuck with it. Believe me now. I, you know, I wish I had stayed on a bike at least to, in some, in some way. I, I put the bike down for 20 to 25 years. And so to, 
you know, I, you only wish, you know, if you hadn't done that, where, where you might be. Right. Well, when you graduated from college, did you pick up the, what, what did you do? Did you pick up a mountain bike? Did you? Yeah. So I, I ended up working for a company that sent me, I lived in New York city for a long time. My company sent me out to San Francisco to set up an office and, and live out there for a year. And I got into mountain biking when I was out there, but he uh, took me downhill mountain biking. And, and uh, so he, he tells me this and he always, we're going downhill mountain biking. I'm like, Oh, I got a mountain bike. And I show up and we go to the top of Mount Shasta huh. and I show up and I get out and they are in full body armor with eight inch travel, huge free ride downhill mountain bikes. I've got a 1985 fully rigid mongoose Eibach with cantilever brakes and I've got like spandex shorts and a cross country helmet and we drop into this 13 mile downhill trail with rocks the size of basketballs and I, my arms were like tuning forks by the time we got halfway down this trail. And they were laughing. Oh my God, I was like the laughing stock of the day. But I, I just fell in love with it, and finally got a, finally got a good mountain bike. And that was when you were in your mid to early, early to mid twenties. No, so I'd say it's probably thirties. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you had still had a little bit of gap after you graduated. Yeah, picked up the mountain bike in my thirties, and uh, and and uh, and then you know after I had kids i had connor and and brought him to i wanted him to check out bethel one day and i brought him to the track and and uh, he's really the reason i ended up getting back into bmx mm -hmm. you know there's that story about finishing at the worlds and driving all night just to get back so he could you could be there for his his local race at bethel yeah you know it's it's really you know once you you have kids it really becomes all about them and and uh, being able to you know i he does basketball and soccer and other sports and, you know, cheering from the side is fun, but there's something about BMX that's so awesome that we do it together and we're making these memories and we're, we're in the gate and practice together and we can talk about the first turn or a line over a jump and, and it's just a different kind of bonding that makes it so much more special. And so, you know, when I came back to Bethel and I, you know, I'm holding his wheel in the gate the first time and I look over to my left and Mike Savage is getting in the gate and I'm like, wait a second, I know you, you're still racing. And uh, so that's really, I have to have to give a lot of credit to Mike Savage because he's the one that, uh, you know, I saw doing it and really got me to want to come back and, and do it myself. I, the thought I had, the thought had never crossed my mind that I would ever race a BMX bike again. And when I saw him doing it, it uh, motivated me, you know, once Connor got old enough to kind of be in the gate by himself, I brought my, I didn't have a BMX bike. I brought my old 26 inch dirt jump bike out to the track and, and, uh, and got in the gate and was like, oh, wow, this is, I remember this. And, and it brings it all back. It comes flooding back, all those, those fun memories. How long ago was that? That was the end of 2014. It was like the very end of the season. Wow. So that was just a year before you conned me into doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I was trying to pull everyone in, suck them all back in. <laughs> wow. All right. I didn't realize it was so recent. So... When did you, um, I consider, consider you to be super fit and, and you, you're, you're driven, obviously you, you show that with your results. When did you decide to make that kind of effort to be the best you could be on a BMX bike once you picked it back up? 
Well, it was definitely, you know, rough going in the beginning, you know, here I am on this 30 pound mountain bike with flat pedals. And, you know, I think it's a bit of a shock to the system. You get in the gate and I can remember Alex Kuhn, who I think was 12 years old at the time, smoking me out of the gate and down the first straight. And the initial reaction is, oh, it must be his clip pedals. It must be the this, it must be that. And, and, and then I get in the gate with Mike and he's got flat pedals and he smokes me down the first straight. And I'm like, well, looks like I just have some work to do and <laughs> I got to get back on it. And so, but that's what became the fun element to me became trying to regain, you know, and unearth those skills, you know, okay, I know I have a gate start in me somewhere. Let's, let's work on it. And, and, uh, I had never ridden clip pedals in my entire life, not once, but the novelty of trying them out and learning something new was actually what kind of kept me interested and kept me wanting to kind of keep going back to the track. So did you ride clips on a mountain bike before that? No, never. So you were just flat pedals on the mountain bike? Oh, yeah. I can remember the first time I raced flats that first 20, the end of that 2014 season. And then in 2015, I tried the clips. And I can remember the first day in Bethel, I fell over on a kid in the gate. <laughs> I felt so bad in practice. Just totally took him out, like fell right over, clipped in and everything. And uh, it was a sharp learning curve for me. And I was way slower for the longest time with them. And uh, I still, I don't think I'm, you know, pulling up with them. I don't pull up with them, but I do, I do kind of like that, like, especially on the faster tracks, like a Rock Hill or a track with a that's a real fast, you know, soil tack track. It, you really do sort of feel like you're one with the bike and it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling. Now I wouldn't want to go race a, a, a track like Rock Hill if I wasn't clipped in. Sure. Got it. You may be able to get away with it at a track like Bethel, but you'll get far more use of pump and, and all on a track like Rock Hill. Yeah. Just knowing that you're, you're kind of one with the bike and your feet aren't going to fly off the pedals is, uh, I think once you get used to them, it's, uh, it's, it's a different feeling on the bike. And, uh, I, I don't think I'm any faster and at, at all with them. Um, but it, uh, it certainly is a different feeling and it's, it's, uh, believe it or not, I actually feel safer with them now. Mm -hmm. That brings up your, your progression was it, seeing that you're just talking about 2014 really the end of 2014 till now you you progress quickly do you uh what do you attribute it to because you know most people would say it was a lot of gym work for some people um you know i think of a guy like sean dupree in, in the gym in the gym constantly you know mm -hmm. um and he gets results you get results a different way. What is that way? Well, people have to remember that Sean also has been racing pretty much his whole life and has this, this, he's, he's, he's an amazing bike rider too. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, you know, you see it all over social media, you know, the, the gym posts all the time, you know, I, I think the gym can only get you so far. You need to ride your bike. And, and I think for me, when I started volunteering at Bethel and it made a commitment to be there every week with Connor and I was going out and, and getting those practice laps in and going to practice nights and, you know, going to the track a couple nights a week. That's when I really started feeling like things were, were uh, you know, moving forward and progressing. You can't like I know if I if I go on some business trips and I don't touch my bike for two weeks, I feel like I'm rusty when I get back on. I spent, you know, BMX after 40 isn't easy. You got to you got to want it. You got to stick with it. And and to make those gains, I think you really it's all about the bike time at this age. And it's 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 all about track time and, and getting to the track. I mean, look, you could take a guy 
out of the gym that could squat, you know, a thousand pounds. But if he hasn't ridden a bike, he's not going to be fast. You need to, you need to spend that time on the bike. Primarily bike for you. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, and, and to keep it fresh, you got to keep it fun. You know, we ride, we have a, a, you know, we ride the pump track a lot and the dirt jumps, the trails, you know, we're going to bike parks all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, riding mountain bikes. It's, it's, it's all about, just spending time on the bike. And I mean, it doesn't always have to be the BMX bike, I don't think, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't, there's only so far that you can go in the gym. And uh, I I think once you kind of realize, especially, you know, here on the East Coast where we can't ride our bikes for two to three months of the year, you know, to that when we can finally, you need to get out and ride your bike. I've always felt that up in, uh, up in our neck of the woods in New England, there's a reason why we have, strong seasons for moto counts and and rider counts because you coop people up for five six months they want it for five or six months whereas you know if you go to florida you can have it anytime you want it Mm -hmm. you know so you build up that desire and you just you just want to ride as much as you possibly can so absolutely slightly off topic but um i think that does help with with interest level anyway so you're saying uh, kind of multidiscipline rider, that's kind of what keeps you interested and in shape and skill. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to, you got to, you know, you, you've got to ride the bike, you got to do your sprints, you got to, you've, you've got to commit to it. It's, uh, and it's, you know, I think I finally kind of, you know, made some gains this year because I managed to stay healthy and I managed, I finally realized that I, you know, you can't, I was crashing a lot when I first came back and, and, and my first, uh, year in 2015, I had wicked elbow tendonitis from, you know, it was like, I don't know. I think it happens to everyone once you're over 40 and you're, you're trying, you get back into BMX. It's just that gripping the bars coming out of the gate, the first straight. And, uh, and then I had back issues. And then, and then, uh, in 2016, I broke my wrist at South park on the, on the pro jump when my fork broke. And, uh, uh, so, you know, that set me back a long time because I was, you know, then I had a plate and screws put in and, and I lost all the car- cartilage in my wrist and then I had to take the plate and screws out because it was one in my joint. I raced the Grands last year with a screw in my joint it was causing me so much pain, but I didn't know what it was. And it turned out that, that one of the, the screws had to come out. So anyway, long story short, I, I, I learned to, to, back off in, in a lot of situations. If, if I'm, if I'm going into a, to the first turn in third place and the two guys are looking like they're going to, going to, you know, come together, I'll just hit my brakes and save it for another race. I've, I'm a way different racer than I was two years ago where, you know, I, I'm always getting asked at the local races, how come you don't do the pro-ams? How come you don't do this? Well, teenage kids don't like to get beat down the straight by old dads that are twice their age. And often they like, you know, they'll get aggressive and, and look, those kids will bounce right back up. But if I go down to my wrist again, that might be game over for another year. So I've, I've learned that you need to, you need to live for another day and you need to, you know, enjoy racing for the fun of it. And it's, you know, the gains come slow and you just need to chip away at them. But if you have major setbacks, you're just, you're never going to be able to make those gains. Right. I understand that. I've had to slow things down and kind of look at things from a different perspective myself just to just to try to keep that longevity in mind because it's uh you know, when you get into your mid to late forties it's it's the long game, you know. Oh, BMX after forty ain't easy. You gotta you gotta want it. Yeah. 
but we make it look easy sometimes. <laughs> some, some people kind of take the helmet off and they're like, whoa, that's what's under there? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's actually kind of fun. So I wanted to talk to you, uh, you know, aside from your accomplishments in such a short time, which is amazing. It's in like, a, like I said in the beginning, you're too modest to say so, but you still ended up, even with, you know, half a body working, you still ended up nag 10 on 20 inch? Uh, actually, it was, yeah, I ended up both. nag 10 on both bikes both. last year. Okay. Yeah, which is a huge accomplishment. I, I just congratulate you. That's just a, such a huge deal. Oh, thanks, Joe. And even prior to that, 2015, did you still get nag 18, something like that? Uh, 18, yeah, on 20 inch, yeah. Yeah, which was... I missed out on Cruiser. I didn't, I didn't get one. They were only going to 10 then at that point, right? Yeah, they still are only going to 10 on Cruiser, I believe. And okay. uh, yeah, I ended up like 13, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's a huge deal. I mean, you're talking about coming back into it in 14, and then 15, you're already nagged. And it's not easy. I mean, I witnessed it. It was it was tough stuff. So so that's, that's a huge deal. There's a lot of competition in the older classes, which is what makes it fun. You know, a lot of guys that were ex-pros and, and, and never put the bike down and but it's that's what makes it fun is going and getting in the gate with some of those really top guys you know and and, and just seeing how you how you size up yeah I think that's great and I look at guys like Sean who I've known forever and Sean Dupree and I, I just think it's awesome to see you in there with him and and now he's he's aged up but so now I get to watch you with Brentley and you know guys that have just been around a while and just you know these guys are good, you know, so oh, but you get to hang with them and I know you can hang with them if not beat them. And, and, uh, it, it's just fun to watch. So you're, you're the, you're the Connecticut hero right now. So, uh, pressure's on. Don't let us down. Okay? <laughs> oh, don't, don't put that right. I already have a grand curse. <laughs> <laughs> no, that grand curse is over. It's totally over. But let's talk about something that's important to me because I think you have done an amazing job once you made a commitment to Bethel Supercross in Connecticut. So this is the Bethel Supercross track that has been around for uh, it's got 35 years, years this year. 35 this year? So Yeah, 35 years. So Trumbull just had their 35th. Storm's had their 35th. Bethel's having their 35th this year. So you've gotten really involved and, and committed. You're creating an atmosphere there that it's, that's drawing people in. I guess I uh, want your perspective on uh, how that started and then and then just, you know, where it developed and turned into something that you recognized was working. So you... Sure. Well, you know, look, I can't take uh, all the credit. You know, any track is, is, is a full team of, of volunteers. But when I came back and, and uh, you know, in 2014 and we were, they were getting 12 to 14 motos at a, at a local race and I was like, you know, I think we can... I think we can do better than this. And, and I realized, you know, that, that times have changed, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to pull people from pretty far around. People will come from across Connecticut and out of state to race. Um, but now, you know, people work longer hours and, uh, and the traffic is much worse than it was back when we were kids. So now the, the area, the circle that around the track that you can pull from is much smaller. And so the key is really marketing. It's getting out and getting the word out to all those, you know, that community where the track is and, and making sure that all the, the young riders know that this is available to them. And so, 
you know, I come from the world of uh, PR uh, and I have uh, uh, my own little PR uh, practice uh, that that I run. And so I thought, well, here's here's somewhere where I can contribute. You know, I live 40 minutes from Bethel. You know, it's I'm not the guy that can be there raking the track every day. I just live too far away, but I can I can help out with with the PR, the marketing and and really get the word out. So we you know, we've uh, really developed a, a social media strategy, uh, you know, an email newsletter, a new website, and uh, really just, just started trying to get the word out locally as much as we could, um, you know, using, you know, uh, everything that, that was available to us through really moms groups, schools, everything, just trying to trying to get out, uh, you know, the word that, hey, here we are racing, you can come and do your first race for free and try it out. And, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing to see the the kids that are coming in, the striders this year. We went from having two years ago, we had five striders that race regularly. And this year they had 30 something striders that got awards at the end of the day. That means they did 10 races or more at the track. I mean, that we were having strider races with 36 strider kids showing up. And and then they're turning into young novice classes. And, you know, the seven-year-old novice class often had two racks every week. I mean, that's just phenomenal to see. So, you know, that's that's what gets me excited is when you see some young blood coming back into the sport and you see the, the moto count growing from, like I said, 12 to 14 motos to now I think we averaged about 30 motos uh, at, at, at a single point race this year, which is, you know, which is pretty good. Yeah, and you're talking over 120 or so riders, right? So it's not like it's a light 30 motos. It's, they're, you know, five, six, kids in a moto so it's 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 a good quality 30 motos yeah absolutely so i i think another big component of that aside from your strategy of of keeping those you know facebook posts going out emails you know getting people to to join the group so they get the messages you also make a huge effort to make sure that you have visual media as part of your plan Everyone loves to see a picture of themselves riding, and I know that's part of your effort. I'm not sure you realize how effective it is. I know every every race, guys as old as Mike Savage, they can't wait until the pictures are posted from the you know the night before or you know whether it's a couple of days later. But it is fast for one. They're up quickly. The pictures are quality between you and Steve Klusik. So. That's a big draw because it, it makes the atmosphere once again lighter, fun. There's more of a reason to be there besides just doing laps and trying to win and, and all that. It it adds another element to it. Are you aware of, of that? Oh oh absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, I can I can remember going to, you know, some of my first races back and, and there was a guy, James Panucci. Uh, shooting photos there and I couldn't wait to go see the photos that he got at you know and then I realized that we could do this for all the kids at that came to our track and you know it may be their first time around the track or it may be a kid that that races there every week and wants to throw some style over the over that step up into the first turn and but he he wants a picture just as much as the mom wants a picture of her her new novice and 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 or new strider and so we uh we really tried to tap into that by taking photos, not just during the race, but during practice when people are having fun and maybe a little loose, maybe throwing a little style. And, and uh, it, it really, uh, like you said, it really did help promote because then, then the mom will share that photo 
and it's and 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 then all her connections are seeing Bethel Supercross, and I think that the photos did really help build up the Strider presence this year and the, and the young novices and and add like you say a fun element to it, you know. Oh, absolutely, and it grows exponentially, just like you're saying, because that that repost, you know, we most of us know well enough to you know give credit to Bethel Supercross and the photographer when you repost, but that is people love Instagram and people love Facebook, so that's their opportunity to grab a picture of themselves because they didn't come with a friend that's taking pictures of them like when you go to the trails. So you don't have this bro cam being passed around. So you're doing it for us and then we can repost it. It does spread quickly and all of a sudden people see like Joe's having a great time at the races and that's cool and he's supporting it and that's and that's great. So I think you've just done a great job with that and thanks to you and, and Steve Klusik for keeping that rolling because that, that master plan is, is working and I know they do a good job with it up at Foothills as well and it's it's done a, a little differently but uh, same concept. I think it's just they have their own website and they do it off their website where you're using different forms of social media. So it's... Um, yeah, I think it's something that every track can kind of tap into. You know, you don't... I'm I'm by no means a, a master photographer, but just getting out there and shooting a photo of someone, you know, is is a, as an easy way to help preserve their their memory of the race. And and like you said, everyone wants a photo nowadays to put on their Instagram account or or social media. So, uh, you know, they'll go looking for it and uh, drive it drives folks back to your web page or Facebook page, you know, after the race, and and it's an opportunity for you to to tell them about the next race while they're looking for the, the photo from the last one. And we're lucky to have, like you said, Steve Klusik, who is a master photographer, taking really nice All photos right. of folks. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Steve's Steve's awesome, and he obviously is a great photographer, and you know he takes a lot of automotive pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes to car shows. Know, high-end and auto shows, yeah, and, and Lime Rock, things like that. Uh, I've noticed that too. I've noticed a lot of the younger families, you know, really getting involved in that. And uh, I have noticed that progression of families gone, even the just the few years that I've been going since I came back, uh, progressing now into intermediate once they get onto a, a pedal bike novice intermediate. And some of these kids are even expert within two years, which is something you and I are used to back in the 80s and 90s that was normally kind of the you were usually expert in two years now it seems to be strung out a little bit but um but it's okay whatever keeps kids involved i it doesn't matter to me you know if it takes them six years to turn expert or if they ever turn expert as long as they're having fun but yeah i can see people using that the social media posts and just getting fired up about it and and showing up the next week people know when they're on the gate they're like where's matt where's steve (laughs) you know I know it. I see it. You know, I, I definitely see it. And of course, if I see that you're there, I'm like, oh boy, I got to do something. You know, <laughs> so it's it's fun. It just adds a whole nother element. And and I think something that uh, that a lot of people don't know is beyond the social media aspect of it. What you do on your own with people that you know, like myself, people that are in the older age groups you know, just encouraging them to get out there and saying, Hey, are you coming? 
that makes a difference because if someone's on the fence and they're like, eh, you know, I really feel like it tonight, you know, if Matt is saying, hey, are you coming? You know, it'd be great to see you, you know, and, and you're genuine about it. There's no doubt. That puts me right over the fence and it's like, yeah, I'm coming. You know? <laughs> so, you know, that's a, that's a good to know it works. <laughs> it, it works and it, and it's, it's important. And, and the reason I say this is I think everyone needs to do their part in encouraging the friend to, to come. And, you know, hopefully we can do more of that next year and just continue to get other people to realize the value of that, that text going out during the day. Hey, you coming tonight? You know, just to get that going and, and get that Wednesday night. Uh, keep it going, I should say, because it's going very well. It's been fun to add some, you know, a fun element back to the local racing and practice. I mean, but half the reason to go is for the practice, uh, you know, and then we race after. But knowing you're going to have a class of, of guys that is, your, you know, your own age and, and you're going to have fun. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah, and we always do. We always do. And not to, not to focus too heavily on the older guys, but we always have a class. You know, often you hear stories about saying, oh, you know, I got combined with 17-year-olds and all that. That, that doesn't happen at Bethel. It, it just doesn't happen. I always am with people within a few years of my, within an age group mm-hmm. of myself. And it's fun, you know, it's, uh, it keeps it fun. I have fun no matter what, you know, no matter who I get combined with, it doesn't matter. But there is a strong older group there in, I know for sure there's a strong older group there because of the efforts of you. So anyway, I wanted to mention that for sure. Well, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. So something else I wanted to hit on uh, is we, you and I are from an era where it was race and trails normally same day yeah and same bike yeah same bike same day we didn't go pull out a different bike you know when we got home and or out of the car when we got to the trails i think that's really cool so we've got some history at some a lot of different spots palmbrook over the years messengers and sunnyside yeah yeah lots of those places which were which were so much fun your own place right i mean woodbury yeah i had some some fun trails back there yeah, a lot of people came to visit. We had uh, little Pepe, Brian Hernandez come out. We did a did some photo shoots. Had <clears throat> the Price Brothers from uh, you know we had all, Matt Sylvia. You know uh, I can remember Randy Raymond and you. Uh, I don't know if Corey ever came, but we we had a lot of a lot of guys that that came and rode those trails. It was fun fun times back then. Yeah, wow! I didn't realize the the Price Price Brothers were there. Who uh, are both racing again? Did you so see awesome that? to see that. Yes, that just happened last weekend. So Jesse and Adam Price are are back in, and I believe Adam had already been back been back in for a year or two. So I think Jesse is the new one back into it. But... It's so great to see the guys that we grew up riding with together coming back to the sport and kind of rediscovering it because right. I know what it did for me, you know, and and so. When you see it kind of happen to someone on social media, it just kind of brings a smile to your face. Yeah, absolutely. So we transitioned from these trails back then, you know, after racing trails were such an intricate part of, of BMX then. Now it's, it's has separated quite a bit. It's two different genres in BMX, if you will. I spend a lot of time at trails and it's definitely a different group and it's a lot of guys that used to race maybe dabbled in racing and then they do, they do trails or they strictly have always been trails. But some of us still do both. Now you ride trails, 
do you search out trails for a 20 inch bike or do you kind of mix the mountain bike in it depends on the the trails you know there's uh you know as you know i have trails in my backyard and i ride uh you know all the the bikes back there the 20 the 24 and and the 26 um you know sometimes when we go up to highland mountain bike park in new hampshire they have some some really big dirt jump lines and uh you know you usually ride the park all day the lift the chairlift runs you know the downhill runs on your 26 so when you jump into those big and they're pretty good sized dirt jump lines in an area called pirate's cove you you usually ride your 26 inch dirt jump bike uh there i have made it through that line on my 20 inch but uh but uh no i you know it's it it depends a bit on the size of the jumps and the things you know being a a little older now when I go to a fresh set of trails having having the bigger wheels you know uh, you know is definitely a comfort level that that is nice to start out on I could understand that I still ride the 20 but it's uh it's been me riding the 20 solid and one of the reason I, reasons I kind of ditched the cruiser this year is because I really wanted to focus on you know keeping all of the memory, all of the muscle memory and, and just body, you know, physical memory in that, you know, with that spacing, that, that. Absolutely. Form. If you're going to race a 20 inch, you need to ride a 20 inch. And I, I realized that, uh, you know, it, that I was spending a lot of time on the cruiser and then I would go to the track and get on the 20 and feel like a total squirrel. And I was like, I need to do this the opposite way. You need to, if you spend your time on the 20, then the cruiser doesn't feel so, so it's not such a leap. But it's it's hard to go from down if you you know down to the twenty inch if you haven't been riding it. Oh, absolutely! And I I did both bikes for the first two years back, and and this year I I just um, I didn't you know I I did it for the exercise. I wanted to do as many laps as I could, sure, just to absolutely burn myself out. So, um, but I did find that the cruiser felt. A little too foreign it just felt a little a little sluggish and and i didn't want it to affect my 20 inch skill so i i wanted to keep progressing on one bike but i think it's great that people still ride both because you and i both did that in the 80s and 90s and back then we were actually doing it for extra laps too i believe yeah because you'd sit around all day at a national and that's that's sort of why i brought back the 20 inch actually i started racing cruiser when i first came back uh-huh. and then i i kind of said oh you know sitting around all day at a national would be more fun to to race two bikes you know yeah. and and uh it was having come from a world of mountain biking and 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 then kind of easing into the cruiser it was a pretty big jump to get back on the 20 inch and mm-hmm. and uh definitely Definitely did not feel nearly as comfortable or fast on the 20 inch as I did on the cruiser for a long time. But you made it work because obviously you're doing really well on the 20 inch now. So well, it's... this past for for over a year, I've I've tried to ride mostly 20 inch, and it that's made a difference. It's made it easier for you to pick up the cruiser when you need to and and race that. Absolutely, yeah. So let's uh, let's lastly talk about your view on bmx and you know me totally positive with these podcasts so this isn't a controversial topic whatsoever uh oh let's get controversial come on joe it's not gonna happen you're not gonna (laughs) get out of me you're not gonna get out of me at all and i know you're joking anyway because you and i are positive guys that just you know there's no point in negativity there's no point in going backwards Let's just make sure kids are still riding BMX bikes in exactly. whatever form. I don't care what you ride it on. Just, just 
just pedal a bike. Yep. You know, um, but uh, your opinion on kind of the state of BMX currently, and then uh, where you see it, is it going to morph any anymore in this, it, let's say, say in the next five or 10 years? I think it's, it's definitely back on the upswing, you know, uh, you know, it, maybe I'm, I'm thinking about it through the, the Bethel eyes and how our moto counts doubled over the past couple of years, but I see other tracks doing, doing well, uh, you know, too. And, and I see every year at the grands, the moto count reaches a new record. So I, I think it's growing, uh, and, and I, I'd like to see it, uh, you know, as tracks kind of start rebuilding and getting better, you know, on the East coast, especially in the Northeast, you know, Joe, we still have a lot of kind of old style tracks that are kind of hurting for a revamp. And I think they're slowly getting there. And I think as that happens and the sport evolves, it's going to attract more and more kids. And, and when you see these, these, just these fantastic facilities like Rock Hill start popping up, uh, you know, they're really bringing a different, you know, element to the sport. You know, if you, if you, I can remember seeing my first national at Rock Hill and watching the pros come off the Supercross Hill. It's, it's quite something to watch. And, and so I, I do think the sport's evolved, but it needs to evolve. If it doesn't evolve, it's going to die. We couldn't be racing on the tracks that you and I started racing on in 1983 with flat turns and one little tiny roller per straight. You know, things had to change, you know, and, uh, you know, people say, oh, the sport's gotten you know, people are training too much or the sport's gotten too competitive or clip pedals are ruining or whatever. The sport's just evolved, just like any other speed sport, whether it's track and field or, or, or swimming or what have you. You wouldn't expect to not swim competitively for 25 years, then come back and jump in the pool and, and, and be, a, you know, a really competitive swimmer. And I think that, you know, you, you, you see a lot of negativity or you read a lot of negativity on Facebook and social media these days. But I think a lot of it's coming from these folks that that are that are disenchanted with the sport, and, may, and some of them don't even race anymore. And so I, you know, it's it'd be great to see some of these folks go back, volunteer at their local track, to realize how much they have to offer with all their knowledge and history of being in the sport, and it would really make make this sport just so much better. I will tell you one thing that I I really firmly believe that unless you were actually at the track and you hold a USA BMX license and you're actually an integral part of the sport, you really don't have a lot of place to, to criticize because you need to be part of the process, be part of the solution, not be part of the problem. Amen. And, and the way to do that is to actually be at the track. So uh, I talk about this a lot with my trail friends. You know, I tell them, hey, I still race once a week. Do I, do I have aspirations of of being a, you know, a fast guy again and, you know, any kind of goals like, no, I just, I'm racing because I want it to be there for the next generation. And that's all that matters to me. So if I can influence, you know, the young kids that that's all that matters to me, you know? So, and I think on my own little soapbox, I think everyone has that responsibility to show up once in a while Get the $60 license, whoop-de-doo, mm -hmm. you know. If you want to criticize, then you've got the license. You've got the license to criticize, but, you know, be prepared to be part of the solution. So, um, you know, that's that's my own take on that. And, you know, if that's not your thing, then, then just don't race. They're working it out on their own. They don't need a guy from the late 80s, 90s, saying, hey, we got to bring it back to what it was, you know. I think the sport's doing doing pretty uh, pretty well, despite all the uh, 
all the the complainers. Yeah, no doubt. It, it definitely is, and and I keep an open mind with it. And as you know, I bounce things off of you and and get your opinion. And I've changed my stance on things because of your response. So, um, you know, whatever it be, transfer system, whatever it is, it's and I I think that's good. That's good, healthy discussion. But we can't have that discussion unless I'm at the race and you're at the race. So what do you think? Do you like the transfer system now, Joe? I'm put you on the spot here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview the interviewer. Locally, I still like total points. Nationally, I completely understand transfer system. It's an efficiency issue. Locally, uh, besides that seven, eight-year-old class that we were talking about where you have two motos mm-hmm. and you actually combine and have a main, that's the only time it really is necessary but when you have four or five, six guys on the gate, eh, locally, uh, I don't think it's necessary because what's the harm? And from what I understand, you can a track can elect to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's my feeling is I think there needs to be a split at some point where locally we just race at total points like we used to. You got to hustle every moto, huff and puff your way through three <laughs> motos and try to come up with an average of low points to win for the day and i i think there's some value in that whether it's exactly right i don't know that's just my own opinion but transfer system at nationals no doubt that's the way it's been with the aba and i can understand it for sure uh we don't have time nowadays to go through that process of total points Mm -hmm. at nationals it's you know you're trying to run three nationals in three days well, even from on the local perspective, a track that runs on a weeknight Bethel, you know, to, to run a two-moto transfer in the main is a lot quicker than three motos in the main when you're now that we've gotten up to, to 30 motos, you know. So it uh, and, and from from the perspective of my 10-year-old intermediate son, he actually sometimes likes that second moto where the where the fast kids have already transferred out and he gets a chance to shine, you know, and yeah. hey, I won that second yeah. moto, you know. So I, I see both sides of the coin and I definitely, I remember the NBL days and racing three motos and heck, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun back then. But yeah. thing, things evolve and, and I'm not resistant to change. So yeah. I, I, uh, I think it's great that, that USA BMX lets the tracks decide. Yeah, and I'd like to see a track try it, uh, you know, and just see what happens because you could just run the three motos and the only main of the night could be the seven-year-olds that actually had nine or ten in the in, entered. So maybe there's only one main that night and the rest are total points. I realize it creates a little bit of extra work for the scorers, you know, because they've got to run in and tally everything up afterward. It's It'd be fun to experiment with if the track was open to it and just see if see if people like it and mm-hmm. i'm also looking at it from the exercise perspective of i'd love to see kids go all three motos and not stop in the first moto because they know the fast kids already got it so he quits at the first turn i want to see kids you know get their exercise in because kids don't get enough exercise <laughs> right now so that's the other angle i have locally but but anyway that's my take on it Hey, how great is it that there's a national coming back to Connecticut this coming summer? That is amazing. And that's something I've been quietly beating the drum for a bit with the with the Rail to Burn podcast because I really feel like the Northeast is a forgotten area. It feels that way, but there's two sides to every story. We're not equipped for it. 
and maybe you could comment on that because I think there's some misunderstandings of why that doesn't happen. It's maybe not that we're forgotten about, but maybe we don't have the infrastructure. Well, it's true, you know, that not only do you have to request a national, but you have to have the facility to actually hold one. And, you know, the parking, you know, the the water, the bathrooms, the, the, the you know, you have to have a, a track that can accommodate it. And, and there's not many tracks in the Northeast that, that can do that or want to do that. And so um, it's great that some tracks are, are finally rebuilding. Shoreham got a rebuild. Uh, Trumbull got a rebuild. Uh, you know, and, and now we're, we're heading into the era. We've got Egg Harbor a little south of us, not really northeast, that got a rebuild. But it's great to see these tracks starting to uh, kind of come up to the, to the era of, uh, of the new, more modern track that can hold the national uh, and, and want to hold the national. And I think hopefully Trumbull getting the national this coming year is the start of, uh, of a change. And we'll see, see more of that in the future. I think so. I think USA BMX is going to see a huge turnout. They happen to combine that with the Canadian National Series, right? Mm-hmm. So there'll be there'll be a little bit of an influx, a little bit of a bit of a boost because of that. But I think they're really going to see how strong the Northeast is when they see the difference in moto count at Trumbull. I think the Northeast is is strong, and it, you know it's a populated area. So I'm anxious to see what USA BMX's reaction is, and I, I think it's going to be a good one. I think they'll be really happy with it. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. It's, it's good news for the sport. Absolutely. So, uh, so on that note, that's a really happy note. <laughs> so, uh, but that pretty much wraps it. So we're here at your house in, uh, in New York, and you'll always be a Connecticut guy to me, but I know you're you're close by. I know that the, the Connecticut border is only a mile down the street, so I sort of feel like I'm still a Connecticut oh, guy. Oh, it's that close? Yeah, Greenwich right. is right down the street. Oh, I'll always away. be a Connecticut guy. That's right. I appreciate it, but I definitely wanted to catch you, and I wish you the best of luck. And I can tell you right now, the curse is over. <laughs> so, uh, well, I hope we didn't. Uh, I didn't talk it up too much. Now it's uh, now I can't get rid of it. Now it's you know I should have kept my mouth shut. Maybe nah, the curse is done. That's why you have to just laugh about it because <laughs> it's that's only in your own head. So you know the mental game. Well, thanks. I wish you were going. I so, wish you were you were you're doing the uh, side hack race. Uh, that was an experience. That that may have been a one off experience. I don't think I could ever get my son to jump on that bike again. But it, that was that was good and it was for a good cause. It was to raise money for a. For an injured guy, which, as you know, is my passion, is raising money for, for hurt riders. So um, I can't see that happening again I, unless I can find some sucker to to ride the to be your monkey side of that thing. Uh, <laughs> because it's not for everybody, but it's it's it was definitely fun. That was a Friday night deal there. That was that was pretty crazy. <laughs> so it's something I'll never forget. That's for sure. Good times. I'm glad I got to experience it because the USA BMX Grands. It truly is the greatest race on earth. It's uh, is a monster race, and uh, oh, everyone should should do it once. It's uh, it's something to see. It's something to kind of uh, behold. It's uh, it's something you won't forget. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best of luck with it, and thank you for whipping out this interview with me real quick before you head out in a couple of days, and it'll be up. It'll be posted by while well, you're down there anyway. No, oh, well, thanks for having me on, Joe. This is a real honor. All right, excellent. Thank you, Matt. Okay. Like broke each other's hands with the handshake. <laughs> we're both so fragile. <laughs>